The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's Thursday, January 5th, 2023. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a vaccine for bees. Plus, the Japanese government will pay families to leave Tokyo. And a device that doesn't let you type LOL unless you actually laughed out loud. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. We seem to be in something of a vaccine renaissance recently, with progress being made on vaccines for HIV, Lyme disease, and even cancer. And now, a vaccine for bees. Not like to help humans who may be allergic have better outcomes after being stung by a bee or something like that, but rather a vaccine for honeybees themselves to keep them safe from one of their top killers. You've probably heard about the alarming decline in honeybee populations over the past several years. From April 2020 to April 2021, beekeepers in the U.S. lost a little more than half of their managed honeybee colonies, according to nonprofit Bee Informs Annual Colony Loss and Management Survey. Now, that was a historic loss, which improved a little bit this year, but still half of all their colonies and 40% this year. That is huge. And while Save the Bees trends over the last several years often focus on honey, honey is just a small part of what honeybees do in the U.S. these days. According to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, honeybees made 157 million pounds of honey in 2019, and at the time, that had an overall value of $339 million. But honeybees' real job these days is crop pollination. All told, the added crop value from honeybee pollination amounts to more than $15 billion. As the FDA put it, quote, honeybees are like flying dollar bills buzzing over U.S. crops, end quote. Which is why any threats to their population are concerning. Less bees means less crops pollinated means less food for our country. But why are so many bees dying? Like most things, it's a combination of factors, and the importance or exact cause of each one varies slightly depending on who you ask. But the biggies are habitat loss, pesticide use, poor nutrition, and parasites. Now, some will tell you that many of those are caused by the increase in honeybees as commercial crop pollinators. That is, honeybees don't just naturally pollinate crops— As implied by the huge value placed on their tiny heads, they are a vital part of the agricultural industry, and many beekeepers no longer simply sell honey made by their bees, but they ship their bees out to different states across the nation so that they can pollinate all manner of different crops. 
And when the bees get shipped out, they might outcompete native bee species in the area, and they can also pick up different diseases they might not have otherwise been exposed to. The bee colonies being shipped to and fro is basically spreading these diseases all over the place. It's like when borders closed and travel stopped at the start of the pandemic. We were all just trying to keep the virus contained. There are a number of diseases that threaten the lives of honeybees, but one of the most nefarious is American foul brood. Quoting IFL Science, It's a highly infectious disease introduced to the hive by drifting bees from nearby colonies carrying spores of the bacteria. These spores are extremely tough and can remain viable for many years on contaminated equipment. They're also extremely resilient against extreme weather conditions and many chemicals that would kill off other bacteria. Once the disease enters a hive, it will kill off young larvae, which are most vulnerable to the infection. Dead larvae will then spurt out spores that spread to the rest of the hives, sweeping through the rest of the colony. Heavy infections can severely weaken the colony and wipe out the entire hive. End quote. And the disease doesn't just kill the larvae. According to entomologist Keith Delaplane, it reduces the larvae to a brown goo with a rancid stink. Helpful for beekeepers to easily recognize, but horrible. And when they recognize it, beekeepers are forced to burn all infected hives and douse the rest with antibiotics to try to prevent the spread. Literally, when you Google the bacterium that causes the disease, Penobacillus larvae, the first photo is of a wooden beehive in flames. But U.S. biotech company Dallin Animal Health hopes they've found the solution. Their vaccine for American fowl brood was just granted a conditional license by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Quoting The Guardian, The vaccine works by incorporating some of the bacteria into the royal jelly fed by worker bees to the queen, which then ingests it and gains some of the vaccine in the ovaries. The developing bee larvae then have immunity to foul brood as they hatch, with studies by Dolan suggesting this will reduce death rates from the disease. End quote. The vaccine would be a marked improvement over the current antibiotic treatment, which is time-consuming to apply and, in recent years, even to obtain, as a regulatory change a few years back means it now requires a veterinarian's permission to obtain. As one apiary owner said in the press release, quote, If we can prevent an infection in our hives, we can avoid costly treatments and focus our energy on other important elements of keeping our bees healthy, end quote. Which is good because, again, it's not just this one disease and not just diseases in general that are affecting bee populations. The climate crisis, pesticides, different management of certain crops, and much more are also affecting the overall health and population of honeybees. Though, as Sammy Ramsey, a.k.a. Dr. Bugs, reassured listeners of NPR's shortwave back in 2020, quote, People think that everyone will die if the bees disappear, but there are plenty of wind-pollinated plants, corn, rice, that cultures have lived off of for ages, and they've been fine. The problem is we would lose so much diversity in our diet, and food would be a lot more expensive because there would be a massive drop in supply. End quote. But Ramsey also noted that there are ways that we can help and that bees can self-medicate, so to speak, if they have enough different plant offerings around them. So plant flowers and leave existing wildflowers and dandelions alone. They're helping the bees who are helping us. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Japanese government is offering families 1 million yen, or about 7,500 U.S. dollars, per child to move out of Tokyo. Nearly 35 million people live in the nation's capital, the most populous city in the world if you include its metro area. The government is trying to decrease the density of the city and also support what they call unfashionable towns in other parts of the country with declining populations. As a result of their aging residents and of young people's tendencies to leave those smaller towns for Tokyo or Osaka. The cash incentive to move out of Tokyo is not new, but this marks a substantial increase. Previously, families were offered 300,000 yen, or about $2,250. Since the program's inception, it hasn't really taken off. Only 71 families relocated the first year, and then 290 the next year. However, in 2021, once remote working became more common, over a 1,000 families took advantage of the program. And the government is hoping that the increase in the incentive will help them hit their goal of 10,000 people moving from Tokyo to rural areas by 2027. Quoting The Guardian, To receive the benefits, families must move outside the greater Tokyo area, although some could receive the cash if they relocate to mountainous areas that lie within the city's boundaries, the Kyoto News Agency said, quoting officials. Families hoping to secure an easy payday before returning to the capital will be disappointed, however. They must live in their new homes for at least five years, and one member of the household must be in work or plan to open a new business. Those who move out before five years have passed will have to return the cash, end quote. The program is similar to many throughout the U.S. in which more and more smaller southern and middle American regions have been offering tax cuts and cash incentives to people who relocate. Many target remote workers and some require you to buy a home, but will usually provide somewhere in the range of $10,000 to help with your initial down payment, as well as a few thousand dollars to help with any relocation expenses. If any of that sounds interesting to you, I'll put a link in the show notes to some of those programs. In Japan, however, this program is specifically geared towards its declining population. Quoting again, The population of the world's third biggest economy suffered a record fall of 644,000 in 2020-2021, according to government data, and it's expected to plummet from its current 125 million to an estimated 88 million in 2065, a 30% decline in 45 years. And while the number of over 65s continues to grow, the birth rate remains stubbornly low at 1.3 children, well below the 2.1 needed to sustain the current population size. In 2021, the number of births totaled 811,604, the lowest since records were first kept in 1899. By contrast, the number of centenarians stands at more than 90,500, compared with only 153 in 1963, end quote. 
More retired people and less younger people in the workforce spells problems for a national economy, but it can also mean less people to help care for the older population, which if you think about a nation where a lot of the small towns are predominantly made up of older folks requiring some level of assistance, it does make sense that you would need more younger people there to help out and balance things. It's something we're seeing in the U.S. with the increase in so-called sandwich caregivers, that is, people who are simultaneously caring for children and for their elderly family members, a phenomenon that's not entirely unique to this time, but one that's become more common in Western culture as life expectancies increase and people have children later in life. You know, there's the labor and economic side of it all, but there's also just the community and care side. We need to think about better ways of structuring our lives, our communities, and our government systems to account for the way that populations of age groups are changing. So a million yen per child to move out to the country? That's one good idea, and I'll be curious to see what else we can come up with. I spent so many years refusing to type the letters LOL. I guess I saw it as kind of vapid. You know, clearly I was superior for writing haha instead. But over time, I started saying it, like literally saying it, kind of ironically. And then as things do, it finally crept into my regular usage in earnest. Part of that, though, is that the way most of us use LOL changed over time. It went from, this is something really genuinely funny, to, that's kind of funny. And often now, it's just a sort of self-conscious punctuation, a way of telling the person you're messaging that you're aware what you're saying is maybe possibly a little weird, but you're saying it anyways. It's used to diffuse situations, to indicate tone. It doesn't mean you're physically laughing, or sometimes even that you find a situation actually funny. But for those who want to keep the original spirit and intent of LOL alive, there's a new device for you. It's called the LOL Verifier, and it is a physical device that only lets you type out the letters LOL if you have actually laughed out loud. Created by Brian Moore, an artist whose previous inventions include the Human Record Player, in which you have to spin your body in order to listen to Weezer's song Records, also a physical pull switch that ejects you from Zoom calls, and most recently, physical plaques for people who were verified on Twitter before verified badges were available for purchase. And now, the LOL verifier. Here's how it works, quoting Vice. The physical device, a small black box with LOL printed on the front, is connected to the user's computer by a cable. It has a bright light in the center. When a user types LOL, the device listens for some form of laughter. If it detects passable laughter, the light turns green, and the device's verification message, LOL verified at insert time, is inserted into the message. If no laughter is detected, the light turns red, and the typed LOL is switched out for another message like, that's funny, or ha. The software inside is in part an AI model that listens for laughter. The way that this specific model works is that you need to train it on what a laugh sounds like, but it also has to know what not a laugh sounds like, Moore said. I recorded hundreds of laughter samples. It was definitely upwards of half an hour just laughing into my computer like an insane person. 
The laughs are varied, from chuckles to just me going, ha, really loudly, he continued, but then training it on not laughs like keyboard sounds and silence, background noise, TV noise, music, that stuff does not count, end quote. For the time being, the device is just for more, not available for purchase. He's only made the one, though he does genuinely use it, and says his friends appreciate seeing that he really did laugh with the verification message. And more told Vice that he will probably release the code for the LOL verifier if it gets popular enough so that anyone who wants to build their own device can do so. Although he does warn people that they will have to spend 20 minutes laughing into their computer to train the AI, so... Fair warning, you really have to LOL to get it to work. Well, here's something I found mildly interesting. Spotify introduced a new time capsule feature called Playlist in a Bottle. It'll prompt you to pick a handful of songs to create a playlist that will be locked away and sent to you again one year from now. So you can be reminded of what songs were on your mind at the start of 2023. The questions range from a song that reminds you of your favorite person to a song that you want to see live this year and more. It's kind of a cool concept that you could also, you know, just do on your own by scheduling an email to yourself. So free idea there if you're not a Spotify user. But that is going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. 